Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics and you get sports. I'm your host, Matt Pierce, at mpierce6 on Twitter, and we're going to be talking a little comics today as we've uh, been promising that Ant-Man review for a couple of weeks now, and we're finally going to get to it right now. And i got a couple of buddies with me for this one. Uh, Kevin Miller's usually here for the comic-related stuff, and he's here now, so say hi to everybody. Yo. All right. We've also got Dave, who is back for the first time in a while. When was the last time you were on the pod, Dave? Uh, don't know. I don't really remember. Is yeah, it Daredevil? Was it all the way back at Daredevil? No, no. It I was on far. one. You were on one of the Game of Thrones ones, weren't you? No, I, 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 did, I helped you do the commentary with uh, Lee Pock and Richard the one time. Or, or Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, yeah. One of the X-Men one pods. Yeah. So it's been a while for you, so, but now, now you're back, and uh, it's good to have you. Sweet. So we're talking Ant-Man today. Um, we all finally got to see the movie this weekend. Uh, it's fresher in some people's minds. It's a little... It's, I saw it on Friday, so I hope I'm not too off with a lot of my uh, info here. I tried to yeah. write... I went home and wrote some of the stuff I remembered down. Yeah, we saw it on Friday, too. Oh, did you? All right. So no excuses then for me. Um, <laughs> well, the same excuses we're going to have, basically. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's start with uh, Dave, since you haven't been here in a while. Um, thoughts, feelings. Let's just get a general sense of, of, of your feelings for Paul Rudd and Ant-Man. Well, uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Uh, it I, I, the Guardians kind of set a real high bar for me, and then... With the sec the Avengers movie again, it was still had a pretty high bar. Although the Avengers movie uh, had some flaws, but it was it was solid movie all around. This one here was more of a like a step back to try to like sober you up. It it, it seemed a, a little different, but it, it was still a fun comic book movie. Like I I had no problem. Like it was no like shitty Adam Sandler piece of crap. Totally worth paying for. Must we take out Adam Sandler? <laughs> Isn't the internet think, doing not enough? No. This came out this weekend too, so I mean. Well, well, I was. Pixels has like an eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I know. Like that. If we were gonna go. I was actually when I saw the trailer for Pixels, and if we can go off on a tangent here, I saw here we the trailer go. for for uh, Pixels like a year ago, and I see I saw that uh, mini, um, the the short movie that they did for it. And it was pretty good. And I was when I when I saw the cast, I was like Adam Sandler. But then I was just like, uh, well, you know, maybe because like I like Dinklage and I like Josh Gad, and the premise seemed like it would be kind of fun. And then I had it in my head that maybe I would go see it. And then the reviews came out and everybody just started filleting that movie. So I was just like, well, I'm out. <laughs> like, well, I saw the trailer that came out like a month ago, and I was on board until I'm like, I bet Kevin James shows up. And, oh, there he is. Yeah. But, <laughs> there he uh, is. <laughs> and you know what? We like we, we get on Adam Sandler, but at least Adam Sandler has had some success in the past. Kevin James is awful. Okay, like that guy needs to go away. And, and success too. How many seasons did uh, King of Queens run? For? And that was a terrible show. Well, sure, <laughs> that but was I mean, not a good show. Yeah, but I mean, a That's lot of Adam Sandler's work is terrible. But it, you can't argue that it's successful. Yeah, I guess. But you know what? Like, I don't think it's critically acclaimed. Are, are we measuring success by how long a TV, like a TV show, success by how long it runs for? Because if that, then The Simpsons is one, you know, one of the greatest shows of all time, and only about. 20 percent of it 20 percent of it we're down to 20 now aren't we yeah and the number keeps dropping and and like two broke girls is gonna have like seven or eight seasons of television before it goes away Thank God south park is still going so, yeah <laughs> there are some hints of light in the darkness yes yeah <laughs> but uh 
I don't know. Way off topic. <laughs> yeah, way off topic. But getting back to Andy. Suffice it to say that Kevin James is still eating. Yeah. God. That's not a fat joke. I'm saying that he's made enough <laughs> from King of Queens that he's uh, still alive. That was a two-tiered fat joke. Nicely done, good sir. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm better than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funnier than any joke Kevin James has ever tried to tell on any of his. All right, anyway. Um <laughs> uh, Get off the Kevin James tangent. So Ryan Reynolds of this podcast. Yeah, God. <laughs> I really let Ryan Reynolds have it on the last one. Probably. Oh, yeah. He seems no, like a was, good dude. But like, I, great. I should have prefaced that all of my hatred for Ryan Reynolds comes stems from him being paid as an actor. Like, he gets paid millions of dollars to act, and he can't do that. But as a human being, I'm like, people, from what I've read, they don't have anything but nice things to say about that guy. Oh sure. So like, I'm sure he gets a lot of it back. Yeah, and my 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 so my hatred stands. And I also mentioned that he's going for the golden sombrero of comic book movies. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what the golden sombrero is, because this is the perfect way to bridge the sports and uh, comics in get sports. Back the 45 minutes that we actually talked about it, and 45 seconds that we actually talked about it. <laughs> and so. uh, we'll get back to it. But like, in the, basically, what happens is the gold, the golden sombrero in in baseball is when you come up to bat four times and you strike out every every time at bat. So that that you get the golden sombrero. Ryan Reynolds, is, this is his fourth comic book movie. Deadpool will be his fourth comic book movie, and he's going for the golden sombrero, or he's trying to avoid anyway the golden sombrero of comic book movies because he's over three with three strikeouts right now. Is it four, really? Really? Yeah. Oh, Green well, Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern. The first Deadpool. No, no, no. Yeah, Green Lantern, Swing and a Miss. The, he was in X-Men Origins Wolverine, Swing and a Miss, and he was in the third Blade movie, Swing and a Miss. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, third Blade. Yeah, all right. I was forgetting about Blade. But all right. I don't know. I like the third Blade movie. <laughs> he fought Triple H. Reason. He fought Triple H in a cage in that movie. That was that was his entire character arc. But, but anyway, Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Uh, so I'll, I'll jump on what Dave was saying earlier. Right. Um, it, it didn't feel like it had the... Uh, gravitas of the previous uh movies despite the fact that once again the world was at risk um it felt like a coda which is to say like let's bring things down a second let's end this phase two and of all the movies i think this is the 12th marvel mcu movie yeah this was the last this is that like ant-man officially marks the end of phase two does it not right yeah yeah and and so this is the 12th movie in the mcu or and uh, this one out of any of them is the one that you could just completely not watch it and not miss anything, in my opinion. Except like, for you see how he gets, like, linked. Sure, but I mean, if he suddenly shows up in Civil War, is anyone going to be like, oh, well, whatever. I mean, everyone suddenly showed up in Avengers. <laughs> well, he is going to if, if you stuck around for that PS scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, like, like, you guys hit the nail on the head in the fact that it's, like, they definitely... Like it, it was meant to slow down the universe because it's not really a superhero movie as much as it is a heist movie. Oh yeah, and, exactly and that it, it was awesome. Yeah, and you know everybody loves a good heist movie except for you know the Sting Part Two. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, it, it was it was I I really enjoyed it. I thought that uh, Paul Rudd was was excellent. I mean, he was just playing Paul Rudd in Paul the Rudd's movie. Paul Rudd's a charming man though, and yeah. all, all we needed to do was pay, play Paul Rudd. Yeah. And do some fancy acrobatics every once in a while. Michael Douglas brought the heat in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Well, he was the best part of this absolutely. movie. Yeah, like he was playing Hank Pym like a badass, which is crazy because Hank Pym's most... Um, uh, and, and the fact that they played him in this movie as a loving 
caring guy who's you know who gave it up when he that is not canon (laughs) when he lost his wife that is definitely not canon because the most infamous ant-man moment of all time is when he actually backhands his wife in the comic books right Mm -hmm. because wasn't he yeah yeah he was a wife beater well yeah well well there are stories in that one that have uh like some of the writers it's or i can't remember if it's the writers or the artists so one of the artists said that they they drew it wrong because he wasn't meant to uh he was meant to brush away his wife, but the way he angled it, it looked like he actually oh, back, yeah. backhanded her or something like that. And then they just ran with it because it was the 60s or something when this happened. Uh, either way. After seeing the movie, I, I had a, a real, like, what was Edgar Wright so upset about that they asked him to leave the film? Like, was it the scene where he went to the Avengers place to steal that item? Like, was that was that what? Edgar Wright was fired over that was I don't I don't know if it was what he was fired over or what I don't know the full story and I don't want to tell tales at a school but that was the scene that ticked him off because he wanted to make Ant-Man as a standalone yeah and then they told him no you got to shoehorn the some kind of reference so that we can use this guy and you know, so we we can slide him into the uh, to the Civil War if we so choose. Right, and I don't think that that was entirely necessary. <laughs> well, my my one of the best parts of the movie was when Paul Rudd was just like, "Why the fuck don't you just get the Avengers?" And Pim yeah. was, then then you've got the whole distrust. He's like, "I don't trust the Starks. I worked with them. Couldn't trust them farther than I throw them." Well, that was also the exposition scene for why they didn't why they couldn't use the day the obvious Deus Ex Machina, stand, staring them in the faces, right? Of like. Well, they did that in they. I think they tackled tackled that head on intentionally so that people can be like, oh, yeah, some dumb bullshit on the internet about it. Yeah, that's one of the many reasons is so that. Well, it's know. a good thing they're at least explaining that now. Like in yes. Iron Man three, when like the president's plane was being attacked and like all this like terrorism was happening, attacks on you know members of Congress and Senate and, you know, the higher-ups are like, where's S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America during all of this? Yeah. Like, you think they would stand up and maybe put a stop to it. Yeah, very good point. Um, what, what did you guys, let's start with Dave, what did you think of the opening scene with Howard Stark and Haley Atwell back as this would, I guess, be the third different generation she's played uh, Peggy Carter at in the history of movies? Mm-hmm. I, I suppose, uh, that that entrance scene where he like breaks that guy's nose. Oh god, that was great. It was great, but the, right off the bat, I caught this like continuity error where like <laughs> oh, it, just, it just drove me nuts. Where I love continuity he, like, errors. What was he it? Smashes his nose, and like the next scene, there's blood everywhere, and he's got a cloth on it. And then they flash to hang him, and then come back, and it's clean. There's oh. no blood at all. Oh, and I'm just like. Oh, like right off the bat, I'm just taken out of the movie. Yeah, he did the thing where he wiped his nose and his uh, broken nose was fixed. Those shield guys, they got some incredible technology. So that's the second comp blood, like blood on face related comp- continuity error in comic book his- movie history. Because the first one is Blade. Uh, I remember it during the final fight scene, um, somebody, some editor guy flipped the lens because uh What's his face? Steven Dorff had blood on like the left side of his face, and then you get a close up, and it's on the right side, and it was you know just completely jarring. Where it was just like, I oh, just flipped it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody flipped the lens on the on the <laughs> on the film when they were putting that one in. Blew it. Just, well, just it could have been worse. It could have been upside down. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but like it, it, it was something that just that whole scene was so good, and then that just like I don't know how I caught that that quick, and I'm just like, 
Damn it. Oh, that, I, I noticed it too. It bothered you a lot more than it bothered me. I was just happy to see Peggy Carter in a 30-second one-line role. That was good enough for me. Yeah. Did she have more than one line? I don't know. I don't think so. I only remember one line. Two tops, though, right? Like, two, mm-hmm. two, two tops. Oh, she was on. Like, I mean, it wasn't about her. It was about Stark, and it was about that other dude whose name I don't remember, and it was about Pam. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, speaking of which, that, that the reason I like that scene so much is the, the CG of Michael Douglas was incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Made him look a lot younger. And uh, I'm going to go out on a like, crazy limb here and make a broad sweeping generalization to say that they can just make actors eternal now. You could have George Clooney playing a 20-year-old, as I heard on another podcast. <laughs> I suppose you could. Because, um, I mean, it was certainly better than the CGI facelift that they, like, the CGI facelifts have uh, uh, have certainly come up over the last, like, five or six years. Because remember that horrible CGI facelift they gave Patrick Stewart in, in X-Men 3 at the oh, end yeah. there? Oh. Where he looked like not Patrick Stewart, but rather a China doll of Patrick Stewart? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, we've come, even come a long way since, like, uh, Tron Legacy with, like, you know, creepy wax doll um, uh, Kevin Flynn. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think of the bad guy, Miller? Uh, I, well, I don't know. I, I think that he was kind of poorly developed and there was just kind of like a revenge thing. I actually really got a Kung Fu Panda vibe from it, of all things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to say that, you know, I was your protege and you turned for me and now, <laughs> and now revenge. Yeah, it was very, kung- yeah, it was very, not just Kung Fu Panda, because like, that's just Kung Fu movies in general, oh, right? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's obviously used as a trope in Kung Fu Panda even, but uh, that was a thing, and I was fine with it because he did it well. Um, I was actually saying to Dave when we came out of the theater, I'm like, now, why can't we get him to play Luthor? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like, sure. I, could, I could buy that. Yeah. And, he, and he's got that right sort of, like, that character, the way that he played him. Uh, and I forget the actor's name. I looked it up before this, but it's Corey Stoll. That's Stoll. it. Corey Stoll. And he was uh, in um, House of Cards, yes. uh, Netflix original series, and was awesome in the first season of that. Um, but it was fun to see him as a character with power and kind of swinging his nuts around. <laughs> and, and to see him playing like this borderline, like, I am charismatic and I'm trying to run a company and I am, you know, trying to sway people to my worldview but also i'm vindictive and i'm just you know right under the surface really angry and kind of a sociopath i think he, he was a sociopath i think that was the whole purpose right because like even well, in sure the, but i mean for the even when they had of the movie he's trying to play it off like you know he was trying to make deals he's trying to be charismatic and, and wow. he brings hank in and says like you know oh i just wanted to show off and you know sway you back over to my side etc cetera, etc cetera. like yeah. he's he's being smarmy about it and then he just goes nuts with it well, and that seems, that seems to me like something a Luthor would do. Fair enough. So I really liked that character. I think that was one of the bright points in this movie. Well, he was—he essentially was playing Luthor because he was the the balding super genius who winds up in an in a suit at the end of the movie as the bad guy, right? Just well, fight, yeah, fight the good guy. Uh, what's it called? Most Wanted vibe from it. Is that what that book was called? Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they certainly changed the Darren Cross character because Darren Cross wasn't Yellow Jacket in the comics. Um, Yellow Jacket was one of like Hank Pym's alter egos. Oh, I see. Basically, like Hank Pym throughout the years had like the character had like four or five different um, monikers, and one of the mantles that he had was Yellow Jacket. And Yellow Jacket was like his um, 
basically, if I remember correctly, because I didn't read a lot of Ant-Man, he wasn't... It's sort of like the uh, MCU version of Iron Man, where he's got, like, these different suits for different purposes. Kind of, but, like, basically, well, what happens is, it was one of those, it was a classic experiment gone wrong, and then <laughs> during the experiment, Hank Pym, like, ingests some gas or a chemical or something that causes schizophrenia, and so yeah. Yellow, Yellow Jacket is his, like, kind of when he becomes, like, the bad guy. So it's it's, it's the Ant Man's answer to the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. It really is. If you if you really He's essentially is a sociopath. So this version, like Darren Cross, is a character uh, in the books. It's just his character. He's not Yellow Jacket. His character is completely different. Um, he's actually Crossfire's cousin in the comic book, and Crossfire is probably going to be the uh, bad guy in the next Captain America movie because yeah, we, we got we got the, some hints of that. Yeah. yeah, we got the tease of him at the end of uh, uh, Winter Soldier. Um, but Darren Cross in the comic, uh, similar to, he's like a rich, um, he owns Cross Technologies. That's a rival to, uh, um, to Pym, to uh, Tech or whatever. And in the comic, he has a heart condition and he creates this like insane pacemaker and for himself in order to, you know, beat this heart condition that he's got. And then the heart condition or, or basically the pacemaker gives him, you know, super strength, nigh vulnerability, that, you know, all that type of comic book jazz. Mm -hmm. But the downside is um, his heart essentially acts like a battery. So hearts, like, he has to, like, his heart runs out of power and will eventually stop and he'll die. So he has to keep replacing, he has to keep, like, stealing hearts from people. So there's, like, Darren Cross will send his, like, monkeys out and they'll, like, pick up you know, winos and nomads off the street and stuff and like actually remove their hearts and replace them like with his own oh. so that he can keep living, which is actually insanely sinister if you really yes. break it down because he's essentially like an organ thief in the comic books. It's insane. It's, and the hearts just basically work like batteries where they, they work for a little while, but then they run out of power when they start running out of power. He's like, yeah, oh, more organs it. means more human. Exactly. <laughs> very Invader Sim. What a great reference. <laughs> more organs means more uh, Speaking of characters who were not like they were in the comic books, uh, Evangeline Lilly and the Hope Van Dyne character. Uh, what'd you think? Let's start with Dave. Evangeline Hope Van Dyne? Oh, that was the the love interest. <laughs> the only female in the movie, yes. Yeah. Besides his like ex wife. Yes, besides Judy Greer, who is now officially in everything. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um I really got Oh god, can I just can I just talk about Judy Greer for a second? Go right ahead. <laughs> there was the scene where they're like out on the porch at the daughter's birthday party and she's like, Now listen, until you get like an apartment and a job and can pay child support, I don't want you around anymore and I lean over to Colin and say, So say goodbye to these, Michael. Nice. Well played. Well played. Oh man. Sorry. Dave, Go man. ahead, Dave. <laughs> well, I had no problem with her character. She just really gave me the, like, the Tron, like, vibe. Like, the, the Clora haircut. <laughs> well, she had the hairdo. She had that same hairdo, but... Oh, yeah. I, I really didn't mind the character. I really felt that it was serviceable. She was there. Uh, I don't really have anything negative to say about it, but it's the fact that the... the She's whooping some ass, too. Well, in the fighting scene, I guess she... Uh, I have no problem with that. I didn't mind her. I was kind of upset that they made her a love interest, which seemed to come basically out of nowhere. 
No, I don't they think had, so. They He's... had some scenes where they became friends, and then they're making out suddenly apropos of nothing. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it was apropos of nothing because, like, they did have that scene in the uh, in the car in the car, right? That was that was really sure, good. sure. But I mean, that's when she was barely learning to respect him. <laughs> that's also true. But uh, like, I would have been fine with them just, you know, oh, you've earned my respect, and that's good enough for these two characters. Also, because I kind of assumed that Paul Rudd wanted to get back with his wife. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I mean, they never specifically said that. He was more worried about his daughter, definitely. But, mm-hmm. um, Ooh, you I don't know, know, it was just like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I don't know the name of the kid that was playing the daughter, but my God, what a Abby, cute child. Abby Raider uh, Farson? Farson? No idea. Is um, she in I, other stuff? Uh, I don't really um, pay attention to child actors, to the sport actors. Well, she's in the Whispers TV series. Don't watch that. You're just reading IMDb right now. That's right. She's <laughs> like a four-year-old. I'm sure she hasn't been in a lot. Yeah. Um, she's in playing she's it cool. Of that show. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> they can do anything with CG these days. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Hope Van Dyne, actually, I don't know if you guys know anything about this character, but... Oh, but with a name like that, I can I bet really, she's somebody. Well... She was actually a supervillain in the comic books. Sure, like her character is um, the same. She's the daughter of uh, Janet Van Dyne and uh, Hank Pym, but uh, and she kind of follows the same career path that um, she does in this one, where she you know uh, disowns her father and is pissed off at him all the time. And uh, the difference is in this one, they don't reconcile, and she doesn't become the Wasp and you know, it doesn't get the hero shot. Uh, by the way, that updated version of the, the Wasp costume looked pretty badass when they showed oh, it in, in the uh, mid-scene PS. And the Wasp has never been has in, never been one of my favorites. I've always actually find that character kind of annoying. Wasn't she one of the major influences in the Avengers, the Wasp? You, like, the even, Jan- more than, even more than Ant-Man himself? The, the Janet Van Dyne character was, yes. Uh, she was one of the uh, like founding members of the... Uh, Avengers in like the '60s when the character when the when they first brought everybody together and called them the uh, Avengers. Um, the Hope Van Dyne character, however, actually becomes a supervillain called the Red Queen, and she creates the supervillain group known as the Revengers. Mm-hmm. And their 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 whole uh, we can't we can't take that out yet. It still could happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly something that could occur. Is there a Red Queen and a Scarlet Queen? Or am I just getting mixed up now? It's possible. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking Scarlet Witch. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Scarlet Witch. Uh, there's Red Queen, Scarlet Witch. Too many red ladies. Yeah. They love their red ladies in the Marvel. Um, like, I thought Evangeline Lilly was uh, fantastic, but the way they were... But, but my knowledge of the character, um, knowing that she was a villain in the comic books, and then that she was, like, super angry all the time and wanted to, you know, be the... The thing, so I kept waiting for her to turn and kind of become the bad guy at the end of the film. So I mean, maybe that'll happen in, in a future film, or maybe they'll just have her as the Wasp and and uh, go I with their own own. Maybe way. that'll be some fallout from Civil War or something like that, where all these yeah. sides are getting drawn up. Exactly, it could be that sort of thing. There's tons of ways they could go with it. I mean, maybe, maybe they just want to have her as uh, as another strong female character that they can have. That could be interesting if the Ant-Man takes a side and she takes the opposite. Why don't well, they kind of have a falling out that way? Well, Ant-Man, I think, takes the side of Cap. In, well, uh, in that, that PS scene certainly made uh, made it seem like uh, 
he was going to be on cap side. Cap side. Um, well, oh, that's well, the, well, also, you'd think that he would be on cap side because of uh, Hank Pym's, like, telling him warning about the Starks, like Howard and and uh, yeah, Tony saying like, listen, you can't trust these guys because they're they're only out for one thing, power. Mm-hmm. And when he actually will talk with which the Captain America character that they have given us. It seems like their ideals should align, like to go against Tony himself. Like it just just matches the characters the way they've been drawn or portrayed so far. It'd be really weird if he went against Captain America with what has transpired so far. Yeah, I mean, it certainly makes sense. Like he's definitely gonna. It, they're definitely sliding everybody's sides, and and the Civil War comic book both people switch sides all the time, and that so I mean. Certainly open the door for uh, classic triple cross. Yeah, for the, for the triple <laughs> cross. Um, I mean, look, we can talk more about that end credit scene setting up. I mean, there were a few things in there. There was one. It seemed like we mentioned that it seems like Ant Man is going to be on uh, hashtag Team Captain America for Ant Man. And um, oh boy, they 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 said a couple of things there. Um, like first off, we saw uh, Bucky, uh, mm-hmm. the Winter Soldier, there who looks like he's falling apart and they're trying to fix him for whatever reason. But, uh, the big thing was that Anthony Mackie, uh, the Falcon turns to, uh, Captain America and says something or Captain America goes, you know, we've got to get, we've got to get Stark or bring Stark in on this. And he go, and he says something like, do you think he'd help you right now with the, the things the way they are? And not only that, but do you think the Accords would let him and stuff? And it was like, oh, God, he's setting up the Civil War. Um, so I guess based <laughs> setting on... Setting it up so hard. Setting it up so hard. I just, I was not a fan of that in the comics. So we'll, we'll see. I'll bet you they can flip me and, and have a... I'll bet, I'll bet you they'll actually do a, a version of the Civil War that was better than it was in the comic books for this... Uh... Oh, yeah, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you're going to watch it and you're going to like it. <laughs> Well, know if you're going to get Captain America fighting Iron Man, sounds good. Yeah, well, it sounded good in the comic books, and it uh, didn't work out well. It wasn't. <laughs> um, this is their chance to fix that. I'm okay with it. Well, we, we mentioned uh, Anthony Mackie. Uh, what did you guys think of the, the scene that ultimately was the reason Edgar Wright quit? Ended up quitting or leaving or, or whatever. Fired. Or was fired. I think that's the way we have to put it. He fired was... or... I don't know. I, well, because I don't want to tell tales at a school. I wasn't there. I don't know the thing. And I just watched a documentary of. Uh, oh God, what was the movie? Um, Still gets a credit on the IMDb for writing the screenplay. Yeah, I was watching. Um, Paul Rudd helped write the screenplay. Holy shit! Well, Paul that could, writes Paul Rudd like Paul Rudd. Yeah, that could be so many things. Though. Like if you write, basically, like a lot of the times, if you write a single line of dialogue, then they. Like, so my guess is Paul Rudd made something up on the set. Yeah, ad-lib something. Ad-lib something. And they were like, well, all right, put it in there. And then he, because he changed something, he's he gets credit as, like, screenplayers. So they have to toss him a screenplay credit or something like that. But I was watching the documentary on uh, the, that the guy put together for the Superman Libs, the Kevin Smith, uh, Tim Burton Superman that never got made. Mm-hmm. And it was hilarious because he went through and he interviewed everybody involved, John Peters, Kevin Smith. Uh, production guys, uh, Tim Burton himself was was interviewed in this, and they all told there. There was a section where 
he asks them, you know, like, why do you think the movie died? And they all tell the same story, but they all tell their version of that story. <laughs> so, like, or like, you know, and everybody changed it, basically changed their version of that story. So they didn't seem like an asshole or whatever, or made the other guy seem like an asshole when they were telling the story. And right. so you never know with stuff like uh, why Edgar Wright ended up leaving, right? So. Sure, but if it's as simple an issue as he didn't like the direction of tying it into the uh, MCU, at least in that scene, and either left or was fired because of disagreements, whatever the case may be, like if we're assuming that's what happened, um, then I think that that was a fun scene, but wasn't absolutely necessary, and in my opinion, isn't worth losing Edgar Wright. Yeah, there there had to have been something larger it. Because that dude has, has written and directed, like, th- four of my favorite movies ever. And that's his entire, that's everything he's done. <laughs> like, he's he's 100% as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and the scene was completely unnecessary, and you could remove that entire thing, because they essentially... Well, it did... was a fun scene. Like, I'm not going to oh, say yeah, that fun I, as hell. I, I'm right. happy it was there, but, I mean, if the cost was Edgar right, I mean, you could have easily admitted it, and I wouldn't have missed it. When, when I said it wasn't necessary, I meant storyline-wise, because yeah, they, exactly. essentially, they essentially did the Ocean's Eleven, the stupid Ocean's Eleven thing, where it was <laughs> heist inception, where it was the heist, it was the heist within the heist, like they had to go to steal the pinch from, uh, from the Avengers... Yeah, uh, new from like the new Avengers headquarters or whatever, and you could you could honestly take that scene out. I mean, they sort of tied it in there at the end where um, it because it does set up Ant Man for the MCU. But if you just took that out, that scene would be completely uh, like like it just it, the movie would would flow without it is is essentially what hop right along. Yeah, and it was the same thing in Ocean's Eleven too because there was like no reason for. For them to be like, oh man, the pipes or whatever, we gotta go steal a pinch, and then they, well, like, they, they did that was, because they needed, contrived. <laughs> yeah. they needed to make the movie five minutes longer. Let's That's, they, they needed uh, the Chinese dude whose name I forget to injure his hands so that he had the bandages to get stuck in the door to almost get blowed up. And this was the one of the few heist movies that ever existed where they don't didn't have to build a replica a replica of something in order to complete the. Uh, heist because I like I can't remember who it was but there was some TV show or a podcast or something I don't I don't remember what it was I, I wish I could give it the credit but this is not my noticing this but somebody pointed out I feel like it was on like an episode of Archer or something like that but I, I don't remember but basically every heist movie ever involves building like a giant like having enough funds to build a giant replica of the place you're about to rob because they and didn't they- they have the scene where it looks like they're fucking up the mission and then they fuck up just the training and they're like, oh no, cut, cut, that was all wrong. Yeah, and it was... It's like, oh, good, that wasn't actually the mission. Yeah, because they did it in uh, Sting, too, because I remember in the Sting, they had to build the giant uh, replica of the bank, and they did the same thing in uh, Ocean's Eleven, right? They had the the... same thing in the Fast and the Furious when they did their bank heist thing, too. Yeah, they were driving the car around making sure that the cameras never caught them. Yeah, that's right, they did. (laughs) No, Fast Five. Yeah, Yeah. they they, they mocked up, they did the mock trap, and they somehow had the money to get all that stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, so, like, this is the first one where they never, that I can think of anyway, I'm sure, you know, there's other heist movies, but most of the heist movies out there involve building a giant replica of something, is and this one... A lot of, uh, of the Fast and Furious movies, people with infinite money trying to get more money. Um, the rich like richer. There seem like people with no money trying to get 
Some money. Depends which... But they always have, like, these $500,000 cars. I mean, you well, clearly they, have assets. They usually steal those, though. Is, they, is their, yeah, they, they win them in well, street for racing. them, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not they're not eating. <laughs> it's like, you could probably just sell some of these cars you've been winning, and then you guys wouldn't have to break the law. <laughs> Rock is like Terry Crews, man. He requires, like, 4,000 calories a day at minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. This, there was a lot of exposition at the beginning of this movie. There's one thing I don't much care for. A lot of the times, it's using exposition as a crutch. Um, there was a lot of exposition at the beginning, and it was a little bit of Marvel going, "Eh, they'll buy this, right?" Like, like I didn't like because they never really explained why Michael Douglas was. Like, like why Hank Pym was monitoring the Scott Lang character? The reason he was monitoring Scott Lang is because he knew he needed somebody to steal the yellow jacket suit because he knew that this guy was getting close. And essentially, he figured that um, Paul Rudd's character was a good guy because what he did is he robbed a rich guy and gave all of the money back to the people that he essentially, like, fleeced or stole the money from. So in his mind, Hank Pym was thinking... Well, this guy is a good guy who got caught doing something that he shouldn't have, but he did something that was unbeatable. So because he beat a system that was unbeatable, I need this guy to pull off my heist. I actually thought it was a little contrived, too, because it was all like, oh, I knew that if I told this guy and gave him this money, he would tell this guy, he would tell this guy, he would yeah. tell this guy, and that would get like, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, that one thing could have gone wrong, yeah. and it all would have fallen apart like days before your mission. Okay, yeah, uh, so the that way that is. I would have done it, and the way that the explanation that I came up for it before they actually explained it made more sense than that. And it was just that he lays the groundwork and doesn't care who does it, because as soon as someone manages to break into his house and steal the Ant-Man suit, that's the one who's worthy. It just happened to be Scott Lang. Like, it could have been anyone. Yeah, and it's as fun as those as those Michael Payne, because Michael Payne was fantastic. Oh, yeah, no, those scenes were incredible. Yeah, and it's hilarious <laughs> as the, you know, my, my friend of a friend of a friend uh, montage scenes. Oh, yeah, they they're at the wine tasting, and they have reds, but I don't like reds, but they had this beautiful rosé that saved the day. Yeah, like that. <laughs> All that, right, can, keep going. Yeah, like, the, like those, like, montages, they were fantastic. And, like, that probably was, the best Stanley cameo I've seen today. Yeah. <laughs> right at the end. He's like, oh, yeah, man, hella tight for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Michael Pena and T.I. as a team. Like, I've been waiting my whole life to see Michael Pena and T.I. On the, on the, in the same scene together in a movie, and it finally happened. So Yeah, I didn't know I needed it. It was funny, actually, because if you would have told me, like, the bumbling crew of, like, stupid villains was going to be my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> yeah, which is... Uh... But they stole every scene they were in. Oh, God. They were like Michael Payne was fantastic. I'll tell you, I haven't laughed as hard like in a while as I did at the scene when they pull up to the house and they're like, we got to help Scott. And they pull up and all the cops are there. And then they're just like, back away. Backing up. Yeah, we're just backing up. Like, like I was losing it because like T.I. started doing the innocent whistling thing. And the innocent whistling thing, like, I will always laugh at that. That's a joke that I'll laugh at. Like, whenever somebody has just done something bad and it's just like, and just starts to, like doing the innocent. Your innocent whistling doesn't fool me. I'm seventy yeah. percent that fart noise came from you. <laughs> exactly, seventy percent sure that fart noise came from you. <laughs> but yeah, the backing up scene and uh, and speaking of whistling though, did you notice that Michael Pena uh, was whistling "It's a Small World" when I did? Yeah, synergy, it's straight up Disney. <laughs> yes, 
synergy, ladies and gentlemen. First, it was uh, that no strings to tie me down. Yeah, that creepy version of "There Are No Strings" in the in the Avengers Two trailer, and now it's yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw that first trailer, I'm like, this is a thing they can do now. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so good. Um, the Anthony Mackie thing was good because I remember I, on our uh, Ant Man or not the Ant Man, the Avengers Two review, I was complaining that about why Anthony Mackie never got to help save the people of uh, Sokovia. Well, he end. showed up at the end for a bit. I don't well, think he, he was at, evacuation. Mm, no, he didn't. He was at, he was in the very last scene with, uh, like when Cap goes, Cap turns to like uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh, she goes, they're going to need training. And then, no, no, he was in before that. Was he? I don't know. The, I remember. The, uh, there were like helicarriers or something that showed up. Yeah, Don Cheadle showed up though. Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Don Cheadle showed up as War Machine. He, Wasn't Anthony Mackie there too? No, I don't think he was because I remember being pissed off about that. I, I remember could, getting his wings blown off again. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting confused. I could be wrong. I, I just I, I remember being pissed off. I was like, where's Anthony Mackie? Because I'm a huge Anthony Mackie fan and I was like, how come Anthony Mackie doesn't get to save people in Sokovia too? Although I love Don Cheadle too and Don Cheadle got to save a few people. So I was just like, I was just wondering where uh, Anthony Mackie was, and I guess we got our explanation now because he got this fun scene in Avengers 2, um, albeit a completely unnecessary scene. Um, yeah, it's weird that the scene that did eventually get Edgar Wright uh, fired or kicked off or quit or whatever it was that actually ended up being a lot of fun and was probably the most comic booky moment of the entire movie. happens in the comics all the time where they just cross people over just to say hey guess what they, they, they these things exist too yeah they like have... that giant uh, thomas the tank engine falling out of the window though that oh my fun. god yeah <laughs> i called and i died at that because there's like a skyrim mod that you can get that turns dragons into thomas the tank yeah, engine just... <laughs> <laughs> huge and just ram into buildings like that it was perfect for the two of us <laughs> i've seen that one it was oh god that's pretty crazy um <laughs> Even even with the the knowing that that was coming from the commercial with all the train stuff, I love. Oh yeah, well the, the, we knew like the one thing that was coming, and it was cute, and we still laughed. But then they went above and beyond with it. Where the train out the window and it just yeah, got, like the giant ant running around. <laughs> that is one messed up dog. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, let's start with Miller. What did you think about the Marvel's introduction of the microverse into the Ooh. MCU? Um. Well, <laughs> see, the thing is, is I, I, I'm not obviously not an expert, but I know a few things about quantum physics and quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. And so for a while, I liked how it was represented. And um, I mean, you can't do that. You can't get that small. <laughs> and also, like... No, you can't. It's a comic book movie, though. It's well, not, sure, yeah, but I mean, it's like, not split hairs on the molecular also structures. Also, Darren Cross, who accidentally discovered the same technology, like, if you can shrink the distance between particles, like, you've just changed reality, and there are better applications for that than a shrinking war machine. Yes. Like, and I understand that you literally want to sell war, like, exoskeletons, but, I mean, you could like cure a ton of disease like there's so many great uses for that <laughs> like get a get an ant-man into someone's body to like microscopically tear out their cancer done yeah cancer's done there's no yeah. more cancer <laughs> we could beat cancer um are you guys getting a little sick of hydra 
I'm getting. Uh, no, actually, I called that from the beginning, and I thought it was a good touch. Um, I wanted Hydra. I wanted more Hydra. Like, let's get let's get like a coherent Hydra villain instead of these one-off guys, where it's like Hydra's like big bosses are trying to pull off this scheme. Like they send their one like this got this guy from Hydra to go do something, and then they have to deal with that issue, opposed to just having these like random bad guys that nobody's heard of. Like wow. I know, I know this uh, uh, Corey Schill's character there, or sorry, Stoll, Stroll, Stoll, yeah. Stoll's character. I know he was known in the comics, but like the fact that Hydra was there, like you, you can't have the Avengers as this like over body over like arcing body and not having an opposing force coming at them like you know thanos is coming at some point but i think hydra needs to get like expanded on or built larger or like you need to have some focal point of an enemy opposed to just throwing some random guy at you every movie that you don't care because it, it really it's getting to the point where it's like bad guy of the week but now you don't care about the bad guy like if you have a bad guy of the week that's coming from this organization or there's some like trying somebody trying to do some like puppet mastery shit going in the background. I think that would be really awesome. Well, I mean, there are those villains, right? There's, there's Thanos and there's also Loki still waiting in the wings from a uh, second Thor movie. Yeah. I mean, we're going so, to, I mean, yeah. you can't have a ton of those either as a thing. Cause as soon as there's like three or four villains going, you know, I'll be back next time gadget. <laughs> well, no, I don't want villains saying I'll be back next time. I want like a regulating body that, is sending these guys out. Like if Thanos was like, listen, I need you bad guy, random bad guy X to go do this for this reason. And then he goes to try to do it. And the Avengers stop him. And then Thanos gets pissed off again. Or like if Hydra is like, we're trying to accomplish this specific goal. And then in the course of the movie, the Avengers figure out what that goal is and stop that goal or super like, and that's what's happening. But Hydra is not, you don't know what they're, the point of what they were doing. They were there to buy a piece of technology. Some guy was just there. Like, that's Sure, what... and I mean, granted, in this movie, it was kind of just a name drop to kind of explain everything that was happening. But, but it made sense in the context of the universe that they've sent up since Winter Soldier. And and it, I kind of like not knowing every single thing that Hydra's up to, because that's kind of the, the point of Hydra, is that they're everywhere and they're, and we don't know what they're doing. I mean, I get, I get it. I just, I'm a little sick of every time they're like, we have to drive home the point that these are the bad guys. Oh, Hydra's here to buy this suit. Oh, so I mean, that will be used for evil. Like, it's never like... Well, and the reason I liked it in this movie was because from the beginning, like, because we know now since Winter Soldier that Hydra has infiltrated every level of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so to have, you know, Buddy at the opening scene argue so hard for Hank Pym's technology and Pym mm-hmm. punches him in the face and says, go fuck yourself. And then to have him now 30 years later show up again and, you know, now he's outed himself as an agent of Hydra and is trying to buy that technology. Like, it makes perfect sense to me. Because he was he was ingrained all along. <laughs> now we know that. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I think it's just me because I'm just a little bored with Hydra. I, I, I'm, well, and I mean, I, I'm not. I never finished the second season of Agents of Shield, and they were trying. They were wearing a little thin on that. Yeah. So I, I get it, but uh, I, I, I still kind of like those twists. Or I just think they, they should have. Oh, twist is even the right word. <laughs> they should have, and this is like such a nitpicky thing, but like maybe they. I was thinking that maybe they should have. Um, 
you know, just put Hydra to bed for a little bit so that we maybe forget about Hydra. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, Hydra's back. And we're like, oh, yeah, fuck, we forgot about these guys. They're still Shit. there, too, yeah. right? Oh, that, like, that's a good point, too. We were so a, busy dealing with this intergalactic threat that we forgot about the war at home. Yeah, exactly, right? Which is a little better than, I th- which I think is better than just this stupid, like, um, oh yeah, they, here they are again. Yeah, we're and and it was so it was such a throwaway line too, where the guy was just like, we're, yeah, we're, and they they did shoehorn it in here. Yeah, where Corey Stoll just went, these guys are from Hydra, and then might as well have looked into the camera and been like, ah ah, you remember those guys? Yeah, Hydra guys are back. You know, and I was just like, ah, it's just like, I don't know, like. I would have preferred. Well, I kind of like it. I mean, yeah, I don't it hate was, it. It was shoehorned in here, and I don't think they should show up in every movie. If that's the point that you're trying to make, Dave, then yeah, I absolutely. Or, agree. Yeah, that's that's the point I'm trying to make, which is which is I don't know. I just felt a little shoehorned to me, and I was just like, we should be saving Hydra instead of just maybe you know reminding and so, I, like I, I said, so because like you'll forget about him when thanos is punching thor in the face within the infinity gauntlet and stuff right like you're not gonna be like hey i wonder what hydra's up to right now right? <laughs> well the reason i like those twists is because i can completely see a situation where like you know oh we're buying your suit from you and here's all this money and we're gonna take like our first shipment of the uh you know cross particles and then we're just gonna shoot daring cross in the face and just <laughs> reverse engineer for ourselves and yeah you thought you could trust hydra because you know shield is also an enemy of the world at this point but you know they're the actual bad guys so it, it could have been done differently yeah but i mean i just obviously I, I, you know but it wasn't gonna get cast in my mind. <laughs> yeah and you could have just had random buyers too right like it, it could have oh, sure, yeah. how about this ulysses claw could have been ulysses claw although you would have been wondering why uh what he was going to do in the last two minutes so that's actually well, a bad idea now that i think about it don't, don't muddy the waters anymore <laughs> yeah yeah on the on the screen junkie show they uh they mentioned that they thought that this guy might actually be the Mandarin from Hydra. Like they may, they asked. Uh, well, the Mandarin's not in Hydra, but like he's a he's a terrorist amongst us. Oh, see, that would have been smart if they didn't waste the the Mandarin character in that third Iron Man movie. Uh, that would actually have been pretty smart. They could have had a guy show up with like ten rings in his finger and try to buy the. Uh, try to buy it because that was the name of the Mandarin's terrorist group, the Ten Rings. So yeah. somebody could have showed up and had like a tattoo of like. 10 rings or something. Well, yeah, and they were kind of hinting at that in the first Iron Man, which I thought was so cool because we thought that was his face was going to come back as the, the Mandarin. But then yeah. Red just killed him immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, so it, it could have been very easily just like, you know, I he could have just been mentioning like a foreign investor and then suddenly there's a dude with 10 rings appearing for the, you know, grand reveal at the end there. Yeah, that, see, that would have been much better than just saying, these guys are from Hydra! <laughs> Wink! Yeah. All right, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah, I just, I don't know. And again, that's so small and nitpicky. I'm just oh, saying, no, like, definitely. If yeah, I was allowed, if Matt Pierce was allowed to consult on this movie, I would have been like, here's what I think you should do. Just for this one little scene here, it may just maybe tweak it a little bit, might help you, but I don't know. They, they know what they're doing, and... Uh, Overall, I think uh, there was a Garrett Morris cameo, which was awkward. I thought that was really weird. Garrett Morris, when when he landed on when he first put the suit on and he landed on the cab in the rain, and then Garrett Morris from, oh, yeah, yeah. Was, was the cab driver, and he played Ant Man in like one of the more famous SNL sketches from like the seventies. Oh really? So I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> like what an what an off the cuff reference. <laughs> like, yeah, Garrett Morris. Well, like four percent of people will get that. 
Oh, if that. Yeah, I mean, I got it. I was just like, oh my god, that's a joke for like ten people. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. That's, like, joke, that, that's a that's a, one of those jokes where it's like, if you if it hits with like one percent of your audience, it yeah. will make the movie for them. Yeah, and it <laughs> if it if it misses everyone else, it's not like they're gonna notice. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Because I saw that and I was like, oh my god, that's a joke. Which you know, in many ways, is the best kind of joke, which is the joke for, it's like, oh my god, like maybe half. One percent of the audience, like you said, might have gotten that joke, and I'm in that one percent. Yay! Oh god, it was bad. I am the ninety-nine percent. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that Ti and Michael Pena have apparently signed on for two more movies. Oh sure, really? <laughs> yeah. What also, movies I, are they going to be in? I thought I read this. Well, I assume they'll be in the Civil War helping Ant Man. Are they going to do a second Ant Man movie? Uh, possibly. I mean, I, there's nothing on tap. I mean, at the end of the movie, at the PS sequence, they definitely said, you know, Ant-Man will return. Uh, but I assume the first time we see him will likely be in the Civil War movies. And then it'll be Civil War. Uh, probably Ant-Man. not Guardians 2. I don't know that he'll get his own standalone movie because we kind of know everything that's been announced for Marvel now for the last next five years. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, but you never know. They might well, I'm, I'm looking at the movies that are coming up right now, and really the only thing that he could possibly be in is, well, he's probably going to be in Civil War, and then he could probably in the Avengers Infinity Wars because everybody's going to be in that mm-hmm. uh, part part one and part two. Spider-Man. I, we I, really need another Thor movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they got to do, <laughs> do Ragnarok where they set up the Thor clones. And you're going to get the Avengers fighting themselves or like, fighting their evil clones in one of the movies. Oh, good. Yeah. Everyone's favorite trope. Yep. They, well, I'm only half on being sarcastic. I kind of like that trope. Yeah, it's, it is <laughs> it is a lot of fun. At the very least, I don't know if we'll get all of them. I mean, we probably will. But uh, we're definitely in Thor Ragnarok. If, if they are going to follow the comics, it will Do- be the Thor clone that is the enemy of... Although they might do the thing where it's like... That'll probably be Infinity Wars Part 1 where they fight their clones and then Infinity's Part 2 where they fight the... Well, because the Thor movie's called Thor Ragnarok, right? And Ragnarok yeah. is, the, is the Thor clone. So although in the, they could explain that away with like the clone is actually like Loki's... Just, Mind like, game or something? Yeah, like Loki's tricks or something like that. Ragnarok is also like the Viking way, like the Norse mythology way of saying like Armageddon rapture. Yes. That's this is the end good. of the world. And we got that uh, when when we got that scene in Avengers two where Thor went for a bath, and then when he was finished his bath, he was like, "Oh my god, like my world's gonna be destroyed!" Right? So it could be uh, could be good. Yeah, it could be good. I mean, any any time we can get uh, Thomas Middleton back for uh, playing Loki, I'm all That's for it. Who is now dating Elizabeth Olsen? <laughs> really? No? Yeah, so that cool. happened. I like it. <laughs> She's the non-crazy Olsen sister, right? Well, I said that on the Avengers file. <laughs> there was no way you could have gone back and told, like, 15-year-old me that that the, the unknown, the third unknown Olsen sister would, you know, nearly another 15 years later be the hottest of the Olsen sisters, right? Like, there's... there's you can't predict that sort of thing. There's, there's absolutely no way to predict that. Um, I'm think we mentioned this on i can't remember did we mention this on the last pod miller you might remember um i want wesley snipes yeah in, in civil this. war to, i mentioned that okay good you want you want a blade cameo in either uh, civil war or in uh, spider-man <laughs> yeah well i would prefer it to be in civil war like like i don't 
maybe Fox owns the rights. I'm not sure, but I would love to see. Like, yeah, they, I was saying how you didn't even need to have him like in a speaking line. You could just have like you know, just have him there. Some like press photo of everyone who's lined to hide, you know, lined up behind Cap America or whatever, and Blade's just in the photo. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. And you know, maybe he's got a couple of lines, and like you could do like because you could do throwaways with like random people fighting each other. So you could have him and. Uh, Oh, what's the name of the dude who played Daredevil? Oh, that'd be cool. Chris yeah, Cox. but yeah, Brian, yeah, Charlie, Charlie Cox, Charlie right? Cox you could have Charlie Cox and him just fighting. Ben Affleck. Yeah, ben Affleck. <laughs> everybody's favorite. But yeah, you could you could have like a scene where it's like the two sides, because I mean, obviously, there's going to be a scene in the Civil War where Cap's standing on one side with all of his guys behind him, and he says something to Iron Man, and. Iron Man will be standing on the other side of the room with all of his guys. It's on the road in front of the White House. Yeah, and then they'll be like... In front of Congress. Or what's the the reflecting pool? They do it in front of the reflecting pool? Yeah, they Washington. do it at the Washington Monument. Yeah, in front of the reflecting pool, and, you know, he says something and goes... And, you know, they say something back, and then it's like, well, you know, like, then so be it. And then they all do the, like, ah, run at each other, and then you just get, like... You know, it's just a big melee and just get random shots and you get to see all the heroes fighting each other. You could easily have like... It's actually more of a Zack Snyder move and I wouldn't even mind it. <laughs> yeah, and then you could, you could easily have... Well, that I tell that's going to happen. There's no way they don't do that. No, but in the reflecting pool and you have like these one-on-one -on -one fights that are happening in slow motion. There's like this water spray droplets going everywhere. Yeah. I, all right. I that, think, that's straight up Zack Snyder. <laughs> I think we should pitch that idea. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the reflecting... daylight. Yeah. But like, you could easily have like Charlie Cox and then all of a sudden it's like charlie cox is like who am i fighting and then all of a sudden blade comes at him and is like ah and it's wesley here's, Snipe. here's free advice for you uh zach snyder when you eventually have the superman robot luthor fight when luthor is president <laughs> yeah have them fighting in the reflecting pool there you go yeah <laughs> right away oh uh, right there absolutely they will and i oh god and luthor will have his suit and like the secret bunkers that they have in like the white house and stuff oh god it's the all will be there oh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, let's, let's hope it'll be like that. I can't believe we live in a Give world. Give me that where, movie, please. Yeah, I can't believe we can we can live in a world where that could easily easily happen. Yeah, um, for me still to be trepidatious about it. Yeah, I know, but, but that's a different podcast altogether. Um, well, Dave Freiberg, <laughs> give an overall grade to uh, Ant Man. Well, if we're gonna go out of a ten rating system you can go out of whatever that's what you're doing system. i have to do something different by definition that's that's what i'm gonna do uh and for reference here uh rotten tomatoes is got giving it a 79 percent i i'm giving it a seven out of ten so okay. sounds about right just uh, it, it was solid but it was just it's I, I don't know why i don't know why i didn't like i think i was looking forward to guardians a lot more than this movie well that's definitely true and like I wanted Guardians to be good so bad because I just like Guardians so much more, and then well, it just it's been a long time since fell short. It was a long time that uh, before Guardians, it was a long time before we had a really good space movie. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I was like, we just, hadn't we hadn't had, die, dying for a good Star Wars movie. Yeah, we hadn't had a real good space movie in a while, and. Like, I wouldn't I, even call it Star Wars. I would say that it is our generation's or the millennials' generation's uh, fifth element. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, I mean, like, there hasn't been a real good – just hasn't been a good space movie in, in a, that I can think of off the top of my head in a long time. And, like, and, the first Star Trek movie was pretty good. Yeah, it was all right. But, there but were, even that was five years ago. Yeah, and five years ago. And that movie – like, my biggest complaint of that movie was it's nothing but um, 
and Kevin Smith pointed it out one time too. But um, that that entire movie was just glory shots of the. Ooh, pardon me. It was just glory shots of the Enterprise. Like twenty percent of that movie is just like them just going, "Look at how good we finally have the technology to make the Enterprise look badass. Look how cool it is." Oh, who minds though? The other eighty yeah. percent was awesome stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. Plus, the Enterprise did look cool. I mean, why is that a problem? Well, no, because well, it was because they did it a lot. <laughs> they, the they did. You're right. I agree, <laughs> but I mean, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I, totally I, on board. Yes, it is cool. Like, Show me more of the Enterprise. Please. There was a bunch of like there was also a slew of bad space movies. Um, like. Uh, I mean, I love Vin Diesel, but the entire Chronicle of Riddick stuff was nonsense. And there were like four of those movies. Yeah. Um, so it was like the first Star Trek movie in like 15 years. And the last yeah. one was atrocious. Yeah. And the, uh, the Wachowskis did that Jupiter Ascending, which was nonsense. And then, yeah. <laughs> Well, Inter- Interstellar was really, a, it was a space. Sort of space movie, but, but not, not, it, it, that was a space movie, like real, like Gravity is technically a space movie, but that's not, when I say space movie, I mean like a caber. Yeah. I needed, I like, like space fantasy, space fantasy with yeah. pew pew and laser beams and space and, opera. Yeah. The, the space <laughs> opera. So and, we were just jonesing for it too, because 2010 was the year that, uh, um, the Star Trek reboot came out, and it's also the year that Mass Effect Two came out. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good year for space opera. Yeah, 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 very good. Yeah, Mass Effect is. Uh, I guess they could never do a Mass Effect movie, could, could they? No, I well, I, I've seen this movie. several times. Is Mass Effect is a yeah. television show? It's yeah. done completely serial. It's a movie. It's a movie that you get to play. Oh, it's so good. Um, Kevin Miller, what are you grading, Ant Man? Dave gave it a seven out of ten. Yeah. I'm going to give it a B plus. Um, it was fun and entertaining, and Paul Rudd was charming. Paul Rudd was Paul Rudd, which is all I need. Um, Michael Douglas was a rare treat. Um, it was an unnecessary movie that I was going to see anyway because it's a Marvel MCU movie. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by the things I didn't know were in it, such as the supporting cast and uh, some a few cameos by Peggy Carter and uh, the Falcon. So a lot of fun, fan servicey, ultimately unnecessary, but still a good time. Believe it or not, I, I really originally wasn't planning on seeing this movie. It wasn't until like we figured it out how to see it on Friday uh, to go see this movie. Uh, I it was very ambivalent when I asked him to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like... All right, I guess I'll go see it. Now, now there are worse situ- worse movies I can say I've honestly seen in theaters than this one. So I'm not saying that it wasn't money well spent. It's just hey, it, it, enjoyable. Yeah, there's there's only one MCU movie that I haven't seen in the theater so far, and since then it's kind of taken off. Like, so I was always going to see this movie, but I didn't really have an impetus to see it. Like, you know, opening week. Until it became obvious that we'd have to discuss it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, go see it. it uh, like it's worth your money. Paul Rudd is a lot of fun. Michael Pena is hilarious as hell. Uh, Michael Douglas is just punching dudes in the face the entire movie, which is always a treat. You get some decent punch shots. They can only punch uh, one person in the face, actually. No, two things a little two weird. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, like if you like Marvel movies, this is a Marvel movie. Yeah, and same, it's the same formula as uh, Guardians. Uh, yeah, script mm-hmm. formula anyway. Same as Iron Man. Same as Captain America. Well, they, they, the first it's, movie it, it's, they, it's they, they not all have the break same the mold. Formula. 
but yeah. it's a, it's worth your money. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely worth uh, worth your money if you want to go see it. I am going to give it three and a half baby lambs out of five. Baby lambs. Yeah, three and a half baby lambs out of five. Uh, the one, one, one and a half. Lamp. One, the, I love when one. there are these scenes when, like, the bad guy almost literally kicks a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Just to was, show you he means business. <laughs> that, yeah, that was essentially, like, Carly, because I went to go see it with Carly, and, and my, my fiancé, if you don't know, is one of those, uh, for those listening, if you don't know her, is one of those people that just cannot stand animal violence whatsoever. Like, she refused to watch Game of Thrones. She thinks it's the worst show that's ever been <laughs> invented because, because animals... they killed a fake dog. Yeah. Well, a, lot well, of, a lot of horses get killed. Killed in that show. <laughs> well, the second episode, she was out because in the second episode, the mountain kills. Cuts the head horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loses a, ma- a jousting match and then cuts the head off his horse. And then at the end of the episode, Sean Bean stabs a dog. And then she just was like, I'm out. And then has basically. Like, Those are two different episodes, but they made they? two episodes apart. Yeah, but like, <laughs> like she was just out, right? Like, at least one animal gets brutally murdered every second episode of that show. Yeah, it's. it's so it's a coin flip whether yeah. she's going to love it or hate it. So it's a coin flip. So she. So when Ant Man, when they bring in like the, you know, the baby lamb, and of yeah. course it's like, like the bad, in order for the bad guy to be, to do it, of course he has to go. You know, get me the cutest animal you can possibly find for me to potentially murder. Oh like, yeah, there's like a guy in like a stormtrooper outfit walking it down a hall. And it's like, hey, hey. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were like, gonna use mice, which would have been a lot cheaper. Why the fuck did he use a lamb? Yeah, that didn't make sense <laughs> at all. And like, they sort of that was another one of those things where it was like, okay, that's just bad writing and bad character development because. Uh, uh, Corey Stoll and, and the, the cross character just going like, what's the difference? And it's just like, okay, like you're like puppy kickingly evil, I guess, because you're just like, get me a cute lamb. It was essentially the lamb that like, it was essentially the real life version of the lamb that Lisa saw that made her become a vegetarian. In that one episode, right? Where she's just like, what's the difference between this one and the one that gets like when they're like, oh, 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 out of the way, you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was essentially what they did. It was great. Um, yeah, so I give Ant Man two and a half. Said three and a half. Or three and a half. I'm from three and a half. Yeah, no, no, two. I, I, I misspoke. I, miss, I misspoke. Three, two and three. a half out of three and a quarter lambs. Three and a half out of five baby lambs. <laughs> Corey Stoll took the, the other one and a half baby lambs and turned it into a splotch of goo. Turned it into a splotch of goo. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's it for <laughs> the Ant Man review. Um, uh, I don't know when Dave will be back, but I know Kevin, you and I have a special treat for next week because we're going to go right into the next, we're not too far off from the next comic book movie as the gritty fantastic four reboot comes, out. <laughs> comes out in a couple of weeks and we'll uh, go see that and do a review. But before that mm-hmm. next week, you're going to come up this weekend. We're actually going to have you in studio in the, studio, brah, brah. Yeah, for the first time. A recently air-conditioned studio. Yeah, my recently air-conditioned studio, well put. Um, Quite jealous about that. Yeah, uh, finally got that working, so it should be somewhat tolerable when we try to record a commentary track to oh, the... Oh, it'll, it'll still be rough. Don't get it twisted. We just might be able to keep pants on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, record a commentary track to the first... Fantastic Four, not the 1994 cash grab Fantastic or, or rights saving Fantastic Four. Unfortunately, some people I know some people wanted us to watch that one, but we're going to be doing the, uh, the 2005 uh, 
Chris Evans's first foray into the uh, the Marvel universe, uh, Jessica Alba and uh, Michael Chiklis, and I don't even know what was the name of the guy. <laughs> and other people who we don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, well, the fourth guy who played, I don't like who is the guy who played Reed Richards. I don't even remember. I that's, don't know. He's he's no one as far yeah. as I know. That's how memorable that. He's, that he's more famous than I am, but just barely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to record that this week, and we'll have it up just in time for uh, the, the gritty, hard reboot with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, and just as a little teaser, I recently rewatched this movie because I haven't seen it in 10 years and kind of wanted to prepare myself. I have some opinions. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, you got to save them for next week. I got some things need saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. All right. I'm yeah, gonna have real to, angry. <laughs> actually, I'm probably going to record, uh, hang up this one and, and watch uh, watch it myself and take a couple of notes down too and mm-hmm. talk next week. Um, so, Kevin Miller, can't wait for next, for this weekend. We're going to get you. I'm excited for our first in-studio pod. I really am. Um, yeah. Uh, Dave Freiberger, Kevin Miller. Yes. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming out. Absolutely. Say goodbye to all the nice folks out there. Goodbye, all nice folks out there. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> all right. Well put. All right. Uh, so we'll see you next week for the Fantastic Four commentary. Take care, everybody. <laughs>